Oh, and yeah. then I felt a little bad. I'm gonna be doing a little driving later, I think. Where are you heading? The old G R O C E R Y S T O R E. Grocery store. Yeah, I spelled it out. Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's just fucking do it. Okay. This is, a, this is a Monday podcast, baby. Perfectly Punctual Podcast, episode 75 from the Comics Place, where every Tuesday we go get a bunch of comic books, we bring them back, we sort them at various times, we generally sell them on Wednesdays, sometimes we talk about them on Wednesdays on the podcast, it's less and less when and where it should be anymore. I don't know if I'm dissolving into an abyss or what, but... I think that I think that it's very good to be in this room with a couple of my good comic boys. I'm Jeff Figley, and even though one foot is in a dissolving abyss, the other foot <laughs> is always firmly rooted here at the Comics Place. Always firmly rooted. Um, the podcast is casting around, you could say. <laughs> oh, oh <laughs> I'm Roman. I'm Brayden. <laughs> <laughs> um, 75 mm. is appropriate because we are... 75% of our normal crew. That is why you're here, Braden. You are connecting the dots, the bridges, the lights, the lines, and the it, lifelines. It all adds up to something. Yeah. That's a Justin puzzle we need. He's counting. He's calculating. He's the one who's been keeping... Well, he's one of the people who are keeping the spreadsheets of scores oh, yeah. and books. Uh, he's got charts about which Marvel books and DC books have gotten the most highest ratings. Mm-hmm. Uh, most ratings, most highest ratings, highest ratings, most books the most of those ratings um we can find all the pieces but he's he's putting them all together he's, he's the one putting them all we're just laying the little golden goose eggs he's got the red thread he's got the cork board uh, <laughs> um this week so you guys i do want to i want to take a moment right off the bat to apologize uh, i really am thankful to everybody for being so cool about the podcast coming up a day or two late lately um it's been super super hard for us to all get into the same room i took my vacation uh, Django was gone. Brayden and I just went to a science fiction fantasy convention. Uh, it's been impossible to get together on a Wednesday, and we we love talking to each other about comics on a Sunday, but um, five or six days after, well, I guess it's four or five days after a book comes out or we've read it, it's a little harder to remember everything. So we're going to do our best to get through this thing, <laughs> but it might just be a couple of good time boys having a good time mm-hmm. around the topic of uh, comics. So if, if you're here for an intellectual deconstruction conversation of comic books in a very, you know, hand to the palm smacking down lay in the law uh podcast i don't think it's this week but i <laughs> love my comic boys i love my comic books too and my comic boys and my comic girls, my comic and girls? Comics all everybody. of that comics everything yeah oh gosh including even the comic spoilers so we have a spread of books out in front of us and they don't super super come together in the right way but uh 
this week we'll probably be talking about Dark Knight 6, Doomsday Clock 4, Saga 50, Terrifics 2, Old Man Hawkeye 3, Invincible Iron Man 598, Power Rangers 25, Battle Cats 1. Braden, what do you got over there? I forgot about uh, Power Rangers, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> I figured Lockjaw number 2 maybe. I might uh, talk a little bit about Abbott number 3. and. Yeah. Got to get my, my ape in there, Planet of the Apes Ursus number three. I love it. Can we just start off, Braden, by you telling me a little bit about Planet of the Apes Ursus number three? I want to hear about that. I've talked about every issue so far. It's only three. And I'm going to talk about it again. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's good. It's just fucking good. I, you get so much into this character that's such a like minor role in the movies and just kind of there and... He's all drunk. He's going into memories. Like, look at that guy. Ursus is drunk? Yeah, look at him. He's drunk as heck. Oh, wow. He's drunk as heck. Drunk as a heck gorilla. Heck drunk. But heck a monkey drunk. Yeah, this, this one goes into more of his past where he was dealing with some particularly savage humans who are slaughtering apes and stuff. So that kind of uh, colors his hatred for humans in general and his uh, real suspicion towards these talking humans that have shown up and stuff. But... It's just it's just real good stuff, and if you like, it adds so much to the movie, and it adds the it gets the uh, that wonderful Charlton Heston line at the end of the uh, comic: "Take your stinking paws off me, you damn dirty ape!" And it's uh, you can pry my gun from my cold dead hands. There's uh, no guns in this comic, except there are, but <laughs> no guns that I want to talk about. Uh, Braden. Uh, First of all, uh, would both of you guys mind if I took my shoes off? Let's get comfy. I oh, say. yeah. Why, why the fuck not? Let's get these things off. Second, so this circles the first movie pretty well. Does it seem like it's moved on largely from that? Is no, it... it's still uh, marching in step parallel to the movie. Okay. This is, uh, this is like issue three, and it's about halfway through the movie, too, I would say. So it's like keeping pretty good pace with it. So and... would you rather it be so parallel to the movie like that or would you prefer it be uh its own thing more i think there's been a lot of planet of the apes comics that have been around the movie like slightly before or after and every which way between and so i kind of like this as a different uh more of a change of pace from the regular comics that we've seen and so it's it's really fun to explore the movie from different angles Hmm. and i think that adds a lot and Roman, I forget. Are you a, are you an ape ape head too? I have not not to the point <clears throat> point of uh, Ursus fandom over here, but I have seen all the movies. That's what we call Brady every Ursus single, fandom. Yeah, every <laughs> every single movie and the TV series. Oh yeah. And yeah, I I, re- I like the fact I haven't read this issue yet, but I like the fact that it's set. This series is set during the events of the first movie. Because Ursus is, I mean, is that the first time we see him in the movie is when he's, like, prodding Taylor? He's not even in the first movie. He only shows up in the second. Yeah. Oh, jeez. It's so weird that he, like, found this prominence without even being in the first movie and any of the other movies. He's only in the second one, which was probably my least favorite of the sequels, but I loved his character so much. It's really weird. Um, I give this ape comic an 8 out of 10. (laughs) It was, Ocho uh, apes. It was fantastic, <laughs> and I love it. And I'm getting every goddamn cover I can find for it. Every, every cover you can get your goddamn dirty ape mm-hmm. hands on. Mm-hmm. You even slipped in a little oblique reference to um, <clears throat> the Clint Eastwood movie with the ape, because you said any which way, any which way you can. Isn't that the movie which uh, Gran Torino? 
No, it's, no. Is it, <laughs> he any, acts any, more like an ape than a human in that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the only Clint Eastwood movie I can oh. remember. Isn't any which way you can the one where he's a truck driver and hit for some reason he has an orangutan is his buddy in the cab of the truck. I haven't seen that it's, one. But... It's, it's a dumb comedy from the '80s. There's lots of you know monkey jokes and Did monkeys they? farting was, and stuff. Monkey business. Was Clint Eastwood allowed to do comedy? No, back then he was. Wow. Wait, what? They had. I thought he had been pretty much strict comedy band. They wouldn't let him do those. Maybe it was after the, that movie because actually they did two of them. That's they did any which way you can and any which I any which way from but loose. Birth, they had signed one of those no comedic disclosures. <laughs> well, yeah, like you, you see a face like that coming out of the womb. It's it's no comedy but for this boy. The yeah. NRA and various <laughs> racial slurs and movies. Yeah, yep. God, what a Charlton. guy. Um, Clint. Clint. <laughs> Clint Eastwood. Yeah, Charlton Heston. Heston was in. We were, we've been talking about both of them today yeah. on our uh, perfectly acceptable podcast. Okay, wow, they're the same guy in my head. They're sorry, Charles. They're similar. And they are. One is, is one is alive though, and the other is not. Do they morph into Chuck Chuck Norris too? I hope not. <laughs> you guys ever seen the movie Sidekick with Chuck Norris? No, I don't know. Very is it about good. a partner or a, a, a type of kick? It's about a child who is very sick and has delusions about teaming up with Chuck Norris, Norris and kung fu stuff, and then they become buddies and do it, and he gets trained by him or something like that. Oh. I don't. Know, I thought it was cool as a kid. I also think I had a young crush on the main boy. I don't know. Mm. I was confused. I still am. <laughs> confusing man. Uh, confusing man. <clears throat> So, gosh, Brayden, where have we been for the last couple of days? We've been at Norwest Con 3041. 39 was my first one. Yeah. Um, we've been exploring the, we've been writing the edge of imagination or something like that. I think so. That's a great phrase. But now that you say that, I think that was the motto for yeah, the con. Yeah, we should put it on a business card. We should. Wolf Moon. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it's, it's the... Washington State's premier science fiction fantasy convention that's not all about comics. Yeah. To a larger degree than other cons are about a lot of things. This comics are there, but it takes a real backseat to a lot of other stuff. Yeah, G. Willow Wilson was just walking around. I said hi to her while she was standing eating a bag of Gardettos, reading a bunch of flyers, because huh. she was just waiting for a panel. Because, like, it's way different than other cons. Yeah. Where... Uh, this is mostly geared towards uh, young or writers trying to break into the industry and artists trying to break into the industry, but you get lots of intellectual conversations and uh, art shows and wonderful people and imagination and dances. and oh, yeah. We role-played our asses off. We did a fantastic D&D campaign. I ran a D&D campaign for all of the boys in the room. Yeah. And I was pretty nervous about it, but pretty excited. <laughs> and it went pretty well. I think everybody really liked it. I uh, think it went really real it well. Yeah, actually, I I was pretty excited. Everybody applauded at the end, and that oh, cool. was very special for me. What, was it a dungeon crawl, or what, what, where'd you adventure? <clears throat> you know, I, I on our road trip, I came up with the idea with thinking it would be really, really fun to try and make a D&D campaign in which uh, I was trying to recreate the experience of trying to buy illegal drugs when you're at the end of high school at the beginning of college. So it, <laughs> it was a bunch of people in a small town trying to hunt down this substance called Axiom. But the crux of that was that the town was sort of dissolving and falling apart in a horrific way. And it was because uh, they were actually trapped inside of a town that they had created on the moon 
because they were dying. So it was a simulation. It was a it was simulation. Or actually, it was a fantasy spell that uh-huh. this moon colony. Everyone was dying except for six of them. Everyone died, and they were trying to terraform parts of the moon with this uh, tree and and. Uh, Ultimately, a thing has been hunting them and killed all of them except for six of them. And what they did to decide to survive their last time was that uh, five of them would live in a false reality that one of them would remain an anchor to on the moon using a spell. And they would intentionally not remember or know what was going on in the simulation. Um, But uh, as time went on and people have an appetite for life uh they began to hunt down this drug to sort of explore what was beyond this town but uh they then had to encounter all of the like sort of security measures that they had created within this spell to prevent them from leaving this town and then they sort of the twist ending was finding out that they were on the moon and they were not in this town i was that's a bad explanation of it, but I really had a great time, and I think people did a great job. It was an ambitious story to tell, and I think you told it really well. Thank you. Yeah, it sounds awesome. Yeah, uh, and Brayden had the best character, and <laughs> he almost just lived as that character the whole con. He was just this, like, very good, good boy, and he, you know, he had to do all his aerobic exercises, but at the same time, Brayden was waking up and going to the gym, and I just sort of kept picturing him doing, like, squats and, you know, like, high kicks like his character, and it was just adorable. It was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, boy, yeah, role-playing is... Uh... Not something we talk a lot about here, but it's something we all like a whole lot. Yeah, I think D and D's great. I've been I've been doing prep on my game that I'm running nice. since then, and it's it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's it's just super fun to. Exp- I don't know. It's it's very uh, nice to be playing a game where you're responsible for creating the reality for your best friends, mm. and that makes me want to do even better than I would normally want to do. So it creates a real high expectation for myself. Uh, but it's just around people that like you and just want to have fun. So it was just a really wonderful, freeing, creatively challenging and rewarding experience. Uh, and our other friend Galen has sort of been creating his own rule oh, set yeah. for a different role-playing game. And we sort of play-tasted that with him and critiqued some rules and stuff. And it was just, it was very cool. We... Everyone was very, very, very good. My, my, one of my best friends my entire life, Wyatt, played with us, and he had never really done any role-playing before. That was very cool. Yeah. Yeah, good con. Wow. Very good con. But I Roman held down. How, how wonderful. It sounds, it sounds so great. Yeah, we, we, we were gone for like four days, though. So. Yeah. Yeah, and you and I were both. So, you know, Roman and Django were holding this place together. Roman ran Moonbase solo on a new POS system yesterday, and it sounds I like did. he killed it. Yeah. Maybe killed it, but yeah, it was a good day. Little kids were coming in, and getting their getting their uh, whoopee cushions because we do that right April Fool's yeah, Day. Yeah, it, uh, it was fart day yesterday. It was fart day. I hope you got your farts in because Easter Fool's Day. Easter yeah. Fool's Day. Yeah, yeah I kept on announcing that, and people appreciated that. I thought it was. I was getting kind of tired of saying <laughs> it, but, <laughs> but yeah, these little girls they were in, and she was all getting her sister with the with the whoopee cushion, and finally she was just jumping up and down, a big, big shit-eating grin on her face, and she's like, I farted. <laughs> I farted. That's oh <laughs> all a parent can I hope for. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jenga must be so, so proud. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. I hope so. He better be, goddammit. Um, man, you guys, uh, D- Dark Knight's Metal came out this week, and... Yeah, do you remember reading it? Because I remember you being... <laughs> 
super happy about it when I when we, on Wednesday morning we were talking about it. I was super it was, happy about it. Oh, it was so good. It was so good. And then I went to a con and planned <laughs> all of that and packed for all of that and went grocery shopping and yeah, ran so a D&D campaign. All of our a, comics was kind of drained out of our ears. They had like. to go to the back of our brain for a while. And so now I'm, this is going to be uh, one of our sort of specialish episodes where it's maybe <laughs> more rooted in three buddies talking than it is about comics. So yeah. I hope everyone's uh, happy about that ride. We're shooting from our hips. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, should we... Uh, wow, can we summarize this? Because I read it a few days ago, too. and Now I'm trying to remember. So I guess I could do a, I could do a, a little bit. Mostly, I feel like issues four and five of this had gotten real big and real convoluted, and I did not see a really clear way of getting out of it. And uh, Scott Snyder ended up doing what I think was the absolute best, best option for it, which is creating a, a deus ex machina for the whole story, and that essentially being, you know, nth metal or the tenth metal, mm-hmm. you know, the beyond metal, which is ultimately imagination and creativity. And imagination and creativity lives within all of us, and we all have that metal in us. And uh, they used that to get out of it. They believed in it, and it overcame everything, and it wasn't more clear than that, I don't think. <laughs> I can't believe it just now it finally occurred to me. It's like, oh, and the other kind of metal, M-E-T-T-L-E, uh, your, your... Your your gusto. Yeah, your gusto, yeah. Oh, this is so much fun. Right from the beginning, you know, Wonder Woman and Hawk Girl, or, well, used to be Hawk Girl, are, uh, I don't even know where they are, but they're trying to get to Barbados, defeat all the demons and everything, and the the underworld versions of all the other characters, including there's a big dark side here. Mm-hmm. I didn't even realize that. Um, yeah, it's like the new 52 dark side. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there were uh, a few deus ex machinas, I think. I mean, the, the, the 10th metal being the major one, but we had a bunch of alternate universe Batmans show up, including like the uh, Detective Chimp and 53rd universe Batman. Uh, the Joker shows up to save the day. Against the man who laughs, mm-hmm. uh, they uh, they wake Carter Hall up, remind him that he's Hawkman and he's yep. a he's a superhero and he's supposed to hit the bad guys. Got to hit those bad guys, Hawkman. It was uh we, yeah. We find out that that person that has been secretly tied up and as mysteriously in the cave by the bad guys the whole time is actually the Over Monitor. Yeah, who's that? Um, oh, that's yeah. a classic. Kirby creation that has a lot of ties to like Final Crisis. This was very, very Grant Morrison. Mm-hmm. It had the Ultima Thule in it. It had the over monitors in it. It was uh, very tied into a lot of Grant Morrison Final Crisis and Multiversity stuff, which everyone knows I love. Yeah, and it's like I don't know if Kirby did create the mon. I didn't think he did. Did he not? He might not have. Um, That's sort of big. Yeah, because they first appeared in well, the first one first appeared in Crisis on Infinite Earths. Okay. Um, but, but, yeah, it's got the source wall in there, which is a Kirby creation, and going beyond the source wall. Which is oh. sort of our world and being around us. Yeah. Is the source wall a Kirby thing? I, I, I thought I read yeah. somewhere else that it was it didn't show up until a lot later, actually. But I thought he did in New Gods because it was part of the New Gods mythology. So okay. I thought he had created it. Maybe it did come later. I, I assumed it was him, too, but then I thought I read something that said maybe the, later. The gotta... over-monitor is those those monitors are the people who oversee the orrery of worlds. So, like, the 52 universes are, are in this, yeah. Are like, yeah, 52 Earths it, are in this big glass thing that they 
stand beside and watch. Okay, kind of like the the watchers, but a little more uh... more proactive. They actually there's a society and a culture that they're living in and interacting with, okay. and they don't just sort of watch these Earths. But is this the same monitor that showed up in um... Final Crisis? Well, I was thinking in uh, what was Morrison's multiversity. Multiversity. Is he the same monitor that showed up at the beginning of that? Uxton Uten or whatever Nick his name Suotan was. Yeah. is the main one in Final Crisis. Yeah. And I think you see this guy. And he may have been a multiversity. I still haven't done a reread for multiversity. Mm. Yeah, I need to do that too. Plus it's had an excellent Plastic Man finally comes out of his egg shape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a fantastic Plastic Man moment where you see just how powerful he can be. And he clears the way for the other heroes, but then he's like wrestling... Uh, Underneath world, dark side, and that's the last you see of him. So we don't know. Well, then he shows up in Terrifics, I guess. So. Yeah, and then he, he shows he up in Terrifics, and he's and he's back in the egg form. So I guess after that, he retreats into his egg form to recover. And there was this pretty cool um, afterwards, basically at the end, by Batman main series artist Mikhail Janin, uh, and it was basically Bruce inviting everybody over to his house for dinner and just sort of summarizing what happened and what the repercussions of that are, and then having a big party and uh and he says he has a plan and it looks like it's to build the hall of justice and that's pretty cool but i guess i would have thought that that already existed there was a lot of weird stuff that already had been brought up like you know showed the the leader the bad guy place from the old super friends show the Oh, yeah, the Legion of Doom the, skull. The Darth Vader Yeah, quarters. that was yeah. in, like, one of the prequel issues and never showed up again or anything. I almost got the feeling that, like, halfway through this series, they were like, listen, people are loving this. We got you, you, We need you to reinvent the DC universe with this thing. Because originally they were like, hey, it's not that big of a thing. We're just doing this miniseries. It's yeah. going to be good. It's going to be fun if you want to read it cool. Now it's don't. directly leading into Scott Snyder's Justice League, which and, like, makes sense. And, like, everything. And it's... You know, basically, at the end, we learned that uh, what we've done with this new metal and the dark multiverse is basically take everything that we know, which is the equivalent of a fishbowl, and dumped it into the ocean. That's a pretty big metaphor. Like, wow, now the world is a lot bigger. And you can't just say that, oh, and it's not that big of a deal. We're just redefining everything. So I, I really feel like they sort of change the whole goal and direction of this series yeah. halfway through. I'm I'm hoping that they use that as an excuse to just really go buck wild with the DC universe and not try to limit themselves to continuity and and coolness and, and yeah, shit. And just like I think it I'm I hope it uh I hope it allows new creators to play around with more than what they've had for a while. Well, yeah, I mean, we got things like Plastic Man. We got things like the yeah. Hall of Justice and, you know, the Legion of Doom. We've got... Yeah. I would Atlanta, love more <clears throat> Atlantis is going to rise. Apparently brought back the Dark Stars. <clears throat> we all know the Dark Stars. Um, they're another sure. version of the intergalactic the police force, kind of okay. like the Green Lanterns. Donna Troy was one once in a previous continuity. This dark... They've got their own version of Celestials, apparently. This yeah, dark pantheon. That? This dark pantheon here. Huh. Or wait, no, that's... Some dark gods, but they've got this giant celestial-looking dudes floating in space, and I really like the idea of, yeah, busting the multiversity wide open so they can do anything. It's funny; it's all come around again. So now there looks like they're maybe they're restoring the DC multiple universes to the way it was before the very first Crisis on Infinite Earths, where anything can happen. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And they, and they have that new 
uh, sort of adult themed Elseworlds imprint that they've started that are all like mm. awesome creators yeah. doing yeah. Elseworlds stories. And they're doing like a, a young adult imprint and like a kid's imprint. Yep. It's Ink and Zoom. So um, I love this dinner and the idea of music. Yeah. Being the, the, the music of the core purity of these heroes. Yeah, and I, I just I think that that line that they did near the end, while absolutely filled with cheese, is just the type of cheese that I like. Um, because it says, uh, you know, it, they take it to the source wall at the end. It says, to the source wall where everything ends. And before they knew it, they'd broken through to the other side, to where even greater mysteries lay waiting. They did it connected to you and to me for element X. The very substance of the forge of worlds is in all of us. Because in the end, we're all a little metal. And I just, <laughs> I love that. Like, I did too. You bet. Yeah, when I read that, I, I thought of you too because you had told me how good this was. And I love the fact they they broken through the other side. You know, of course you hear the Doors song in your head, when you, I, at least when I read that. God, I didn't, and now I wish I had. That's <laughs> awesome. And I love the fact, and yeah, the, actually a little trivia, the, the Hall of Justice hasn't existed in continuity within the comics. Before. Really? That was just the Super Friends cartoon show. Wow. They've kind of made references to it before and I like on just... other Elseworlds yeah. they've had so it. So what about the Legion of Doom? The closest thing is the Secret Society of Supervillains. Did it have that cool floating head place? I don't think so. Because that's one of my favorite like visual yeah. things. Oh yeah, everybody loves that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, actually seeing that. Because in the comics, I mean, Secret Society, I mean, they could never really get a lot of these villains to ever sit in a room and be nice to each other. Hmm. Hmm. So we've got the the Watchtower satellite, right? Yep. We've got this uh, Hall of Justice. Mm -hmm. And then there's Justice League of America. They've got a base, too. Yeah. Is it the tower? Yeah, where are they headquartered? It's like some underground KV Hall of Justice-looking place, but it's not the Hall of Justice. Oh, like in Rebirth continuity? Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Okay. I've, I've, I just read, a, like, the first trade of that. I wonder if it's in Happy too. Harbor, which is where they're... I in think old continuity. That's where that's the first what was happening in Milk. I think that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that okay, was yeah. tight. So yeah, I think that was where it was. Yeah. Do you guys want to talk about another real big book this week? Yeah. I sure. guess we should do some metal stuff. I give um, I give this issue a nine. Uh, I I like fist pumped in my room. I internally <laughs> heard myself squealing with joy. Like I was just so happy that they didn't try to make it a serious out. It was just like, let it be positivity that gets us through this. It's like the. And that's, that's what I love about Morrison. That's what I love about comics is it's just like, fuck yeah, imagination, possibility. We don't have to be grounded by anything because, I don't know, comics are like the key to imagination for me. So I, I, I really, really liked it. I give the series as a whole uh, an 8. I think some it, it stopped and started at times. Maybe an 8.5, actually. Uh, <laughs> but for the way that it landed and the overall feeling I get at the end, I, I give it a, a real high, yeah, 8.5, and this issue a 9. Yeah, I would, I would give this. I'll give this issue. Fuck it, nine point five. I'm going that high, almost mm -hmm. a ten. I take it back, almost a ten. What kept it from being a ten? Um, it's been five days since I read it. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, what kept it from being a ten was just there was there were. It didn't wrap it up in a bow as nicely as possible. Like the over monitor was sort of tied up, and then you just don't see him anymore. And mm. um, you know, Plastic Man didn't. I, I feel like it was a real slow put out uh, for the issues, but I, th 
I really believe it could have used one more issue uh, to wrap things up a little bit better, or I could have used a bigger epilogue or something. Yeah, yeah, they could have expanded this one. I wouldn't have minded that at all. But this was 44 pages, so this was two issues worth. Oh, it was? Oh, yeah, yeah. I guess it was. Yeah. Um, I'll also give it a 9.5. And, yeah, the whole series I would give a solid 8, maybe an 8.3. Mm-hmm. But the music of it all is wonderful. Uh, I'll give this issue a seven, probably the whole series an eight. Uh, it's a good wrap up to a pretty buck wild series. Buck wild and a half. Um, hey Roman, you got to see something pretty incredible while we were gone. What, what did I see? Justin. Oh, that's true. I did see Justin. I went out with him, him and his lovely partner on Saturday night. I think it was for beers. Is he drinking these days? I, I don't know if he's drinking back where he's living, but for here, for us, with us, he was. Yeah. We each had a beer. It was really nice. He came in the store two, three times, maybe. Visited. Man, yesterday we were like on the way back to town, and we got into Bellingham, and I was giving Danny and Braden a ride home, and I drove by the comic shop, and as I drove by the comic shop, I saw Justin with his big bag, <laughs> and I was like, he's leaving. I haven't seen him yet, and I rolled my window down. I like, tried to pull over, find a spot. I couldn't find a spot, and I just so I had to yell like back a whole block, Justin. <laughs> and he like stopped and just looked around. And I pulled over on the side of the road and uh, ran out. And we gave each other the most like running through the airport loving hug, and that was wonderful. And then the Gibbonses were at Starbucks, and they <laughs> made me macarons, which are my favorite Ooh. thing in the world, and they were as good as any macaron I've ever had. Gibbons is, if you're listening, that was unbelievable. But I'm going to be telling you this in person on Sunday. I ate all of them in my car before I got home. Oh, wow. Nice. <laughs> yeah. What a great dessert to it a, was, to a yeah. con. It was like a 10-minute period where everything fell together in my life, so I got a Justin sighting as well. God, I'm so glad you got to see him. Yeah. Man. Yeah, I was worried. When he came in on whatever day it was, Friday or whatever and stopped by and I didn't see him come in it's weird I looked over and I saw his roommate I thought well where's Justin and then I turn I swear I, it was almost like I turn around and boom he was right there in front of the counter hi Roman <laughs> yeah <laughs> like oh my god <laughs> it was sweet got some old Justin time yeah mm, that boy that, that boy. boy um okay so another real real big thing that happened this week is doomsday clock four I don't feel like there was quite as much to say about it as there is about uh, metal. I still love this book, but this was largely um, basically the origin for the Rorschach character that is in our book. I'm excited to talk to Django about it because he's so familiar with The Watchmen that there are a lot of incredible uh, direct homages and around about references to The Watchmen going on here. But it's still been a while since I read that, and I haven't really seen Django yet. Uh, who's a sick boy right now. Yeah, and I, and I wanted to ask him something, because I just read this this afternoon, actually. Um, <clears throat> and there's some things, I, I I mean, I really liked it, but there's some things I was a little confused about. I didn't know that apparently this current Rorschach starts off on uh, the Watchmen world. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. then, and then ends up, because of the Flash, Dr. Manhattan, whatever, or not Dr. Manhattan, the, the squid, Flash, the resolution, that ends up on our world. No, 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 no. They all left in the first issue. This is the same Rorschach that's been since in Doomsday Clock issue one, hanging out with right. Adrian Veidt. 
But I felt like some of this was flashbacks because he's in. It's it mostly was. flashbacks yeah. to the Watchmen world. Well, well flashbacks he's in within flashback because yeah, he starts off the issue. He's in Arkham because these are Bat villains around yeah. him. Yeah, because yeah. Batman left. But him But then in. when he's talking later on, he's in an insane asylum on the Watchmen world, and that's, that's flashback. flashback. Yeah. Okay. But this is also a flashback because in Gotham, because he's not in Arkham. Yeah, he is. He got co- dropped off there Remember at the last issue. The, the, I thought him and. Ozzy and Dice were running around. That was they issue were. two. He, he talked to Batman, and he ate his pancakes, and they talked, and Batman's like, I believe you. I'll take you where we need to go. Oh, and, and then, then he Batman. left him in the the, oh, right. the cell. Ah, i got to reread. i got to read these issues more than once. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, it, it was it was basically in Arkham, he, finding out about how he grew up and became Rorschach and met Osmandius, and they came over yeah. here. Um. What I like about this is that they make you pretty... Con- I, I like the moral ambiguity of Ozymandias. Um, and I liked talking to you guys at issue one about your feelings about Ozymandias just in Watchmen overall. Mm-hmm. And Brayden, you had sort of just said he's sort of like a force. Like he isn't necessarily neither good or bad. He He's just trying to do what he thinks is right, but he's not malicious. And, and he seems like even more positive growth for him has happened since then. And I... He's done this horrible thing. Because I had a hard time not viewing him as a bad guy in The Watchmen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, me too. But this way, yeah, he he doesn't seem as malicious, and and that's cool. But I guess the big thing at the end of this is you find out that uh, Bruce has been uh, using his disguise to be the psychiatrist for Rorschach in the same way that Rorschach's father was the psychiatrist for old Rorschach in The Watchmen. Um, and he, at the end of this issue, he he realizes that there's more to this than him just being a crazy person. I was too dumb to catch that because I was getting a little bored by the end of it, but that makes a lot more sense. I didn't realize Batman was pretending to be a psychiatrist. A thing that frustrated me while I was reading this issue was mainly, like, I don't believe that Batman would have locked this guy up and left him. Yeah. So I was annoyed as I was reading this because, like, this is very, very good. I love it. I don't have complaints about it except for that it's coming out every two months, which is a bummer. Mm -hmm. Um... But, but in that my head, I was just sort of like, I don't agree. Like Jeff Johns, you know Batman better than this, and he proved at the end that he does know Batman better than that. And Batman was, yeah, pretending to be the psychiatrist that is interviewing him several times in the issue, and that is very, very good. It is. I mean, I, I was. It made me question a little bit the, the, uh, um, the morality of that because, geez, this guy's not getting any kind of treatment. But you also kind of see that. It wouldn't matter anyway. Uh, Reggie here isn't isn't gonna be isn't gonna be amenable to any kind of treatment because he doesn't think he needs any kind of treatment. <laughs> he's got his mission, and he's gonna do it. And is that who is the like the moth guy? Is that one of the members of the Minutemen? Yeah, yeah he was one of the original. Yeah, I like that guy. That I like right? his characterization. I like this sort of crazy person who just sort of keeps escaping and coming back. And I did, I did too. And it's. Uh, He's a lot more characterization than he did in uh, yeah. even the prequel books for yeah. Watchmen. Yeah, yeah, and especially, and I can't remember what he did. Supposedly it was so awful, but, you know, as usual, I, I read the letters, his letters in mm-hmm. the back, and, yeah, you get a lot of his character. And, yeah, that's one of the things I wanted to ask Django. This One of the final panels here where that, this mosquito hits that and falls. And the oh, yeah. S- I was. I want to ask Jingo, what is, is that symbolic? What does that represent? That's right like there? the Manhattan symbol, I think. Is it? Yeah. Is that just Manhattan symbol? Yeah, the circle with a single dot okay. and a single dot on top. Okay, yeah, and of course the color. I want to know why Mothman was like 
touching his nose in the picture. I mean, everybody else is posing, and he's like, I don't know, is that a sign to somebody? Is it just he had an itch? What? Uh, Awkward mask. He's just embarrassed. This was so good. I love the way Mothman sets, gets uh, Reggie his psychiatrist father's notes about the original Rorschach, gets it to him, and kind of sets him on his mission. And Reggie says in a letter to his sister in the back, on that back text page, that um, he's met this young man and Mothman thinks that I think I'm uniquely suited to help this guy and I'm going to do it, and it's given me a renewed purpose. Mm. And then he does it, and you see the results of that. I, I love little connections like yeah. that. Yeah, setups. Yeah, I um, I love this book. I have absolute faith in the creators, and I really like that there's very clearly a huge story going on. Um, I feel like I'm in very, very good hands. So I didn't like this quite as much as Metal, uh, but I, I would still give it a 9. Um, I really, really like it. It's still going the par for the course for me. I only had one reservation, and then... Uh, Jeff Johns showed me that he knew better than I did and played me like a fiddle. Mm. I will say that uh, that's not nearly enough syrup for all those flapjacks. Yeah, I have to assume that there is a lot of butter between each of those jacks. I I hope so, or just more like maybe there's syrup on each one in between, I would hope, because it's... Well, when I eat a big stack of flapjacks... Stack of flaps. Stack of flaps. I usually have to like re-syrup and maybe re-butter each one as I go down the stack. I mean, I never put like a whole stack on a plate. It's usually like two or three, and then well, that, yeah. from the main yeah, stack. Yeah, and you right? kind of overlap them so, wow, all, that, so the syrup a, flows. That's a great idea. I've never done that. Um, Roman, you gave me your score. Did I? I, I don't, don't know. Think you gave, I want to. I want to um, ask a question after I hear Braden's score. Oh, okay. Uh, I I I'd go with a five. I thought this issue was fine, but uh, I haven't uh, I haven't been really into this whole series, but this issue in particular I've enjoyed less than the other ones because they at least had some more interesting character work and more DC stuff. And I really I really want to get into just wild, like, DC characters fighting Watchmen characters, that kind of wacky stuff, rather than this trying to match Watchmen tone for tone and, like, be this stoic sequel to, this, like, the legendary book and stuff. And it's like... It's it's doing a good job of that, but I I don't know if it's something I particularly care about, and I'm I'm hoping more for uh, Joker fighting Rorschach and Lex Luthor and Adrian by teaming up and stuff like that, and Superman and Manhattan. But yeah, we'll we'll get there eventually, and I'll I, yeah I know we'll get there eventually. I wanted there to be a little bit more of the DC universe in this issue, but uh, I yeah I don't yeah I guess I would say I just. Uh, I haven't gotten to know Rorschach, this new Rorschach, well enough to really care about his right. origins just yet, and they kind of dumped it all in one issue, so it was kind of a lot. I'm reading it, so... Um, Roman, your score. Who is this Jane Doe that shows up? And here at the end, she... Oh, I is that Manhattan? I, mm, I like the, the idea the, of that. I mean, the blue, and she opens his cell somehow and says she's been inside his head the last few days? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a mystery for next issue. Yeah, um, I'll give it. Uh, I'll give it. I'll give it a nine. I'll give it a nine. Uh, squid eyes in Batman's forehead. Oh yeah, that was weird. I loved that. Why yeah. was that squid eye in Batman's forehead? Yeah, I love that there, where you start seeing his his psychosis. That was or the, sweet. the knowledge that he knows is being watched through that persona. Yeah. Um, yeah. My question is, 
how do you guys stir up your pancakes? Because I recently was introduced to the idea of buttering your pancakes and then cutting squares and having your own little your syrup dish cup. And instead of pouring it on your pancakes, taking a fork and dipping it in the syrup so that way your pancakes don't get soggy. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, that, that makes sense. It's efficient. But I, I, I like globbing my syrup up on, on that pancake. That's what I have done my whole life. But in the last seven or eight months, I've seen this other tactic. And I think that there's a lot of, a lot of goodness in it. I, I appreciate it. I think it's a, I think it's a good tactic. I, I don't think it's what I'm going to use though. Yeah, no, I would try it though. <laughs> yeah, I've tried, I've tried some different pancake tactics. I had yeah. never tried this. I'm Sam more of a French it. toast boy myself, oh. but uh, mm. God, I could go for some French toast. And I that usually, I usually uh, devour it so quick that uh, yeah. I usually don't give it time to dry up or anything. Yeah, yeah, I gotta do it till it does it. Because I do a couple. Sometimes I do what you said, where you, you kind of overlap two or three. Mm-hmm. Though a lot of times I just eat one big pancake at a time, mm-hmm. butter and syrup that, and, and white sugar or something, or powdered sugar, um, and do it that way. Mm. So because because I hate when you have a stack and all the syrup like runs off, and then you got to smear it around and and re-syrup. Yeah, yeah, syrup game. Mm. I, I I like to smother it in it, but I also it's a French toast all. Do the, the whole thing. Because that's thick enough, you can take it and you can dip it. The big plus of this method is that if you don't finish your stack of pancakes, you can take it to go, mm. and they won't be a soggy pancake oh. mess. That's a, that's a really good way. Yeah. Okay, I guess so. I've, I've never tried taking pancakes to go. Yeah, You've I'm, never pancakes to go? No. I'm, I'm not leaving any of that um, eaten. Yeah, I eat it all there. <sighs> Or I'd you make guys, them at home. <laughs> you guys are fucking nuts. Um, Brayden, big stuff happened in Power Rangers. Let's talk about it. Yeah, I forgot to grab an issue, but Here. it was a big one. Yeah, tell uh, me about Power Rangers. Shattered Grid. It's their, uh, their new big arc that's going to cross over to all the different Power Rangers teams. It's bringing back Dracon, who is the big future evil version of Tommy the Green Ranger that they fought in the first major arc of the series. Uh, he's... Jumping through reality somehow using Saba, and he's got his morpher back and running. And he cracked a Saba head off in the last yeah. issue. He's a he's a real bad dude, and uh, apparently, spoilers, he kills Tommy in this. He killed with our a, world, Tommy. With a kind of disappointing splash page of stabbing him. They had but, told like everybody they polybade this so people couldn't see it. Like people mm-hmm. were reading it and saying this changes everything and all this junk. And like this was the most comic book death I've ever seen. Like we stabbed a guy through the stomach. <laughs> and you don't even see the sword poking through the side. You don't see him poking through. You don't see him. It's Power Rangers. They're trying to like maintain some level of wholesomeness, I guess. But yeah, I mean, it's just like if you're gonna. Uh, it looks like he just got punched in the back. And yeah. Apparently he's got no pulse in his breathing, so he must be dead. But like. We know he shows up, like, in other Power Rangers, like, shows. So I don't know how, like, canon this comic is, like, compared to the show. Right. But, I don't know, it didn't, didn't hit me too hard. Uh, I was really stunned at how little it hit me, actually. And I, and I've never cared all that much about Tommy. I mean, he's cool, and he's got a fucking dragon sword and a flute dagger, but... Oh, so good. Jason's always been my guy, and... If you try to kill him, I'll be. That's that'll that'll tear me up. I think. Um. So what do you give this one? Uh. 
7 out of 10. I think the series has taken over all dip in quality since uh, Henry Persetra is no longer drawing mm-hmm. it. And I thought he brought a lot to the table on this book. And this is uh, drawn by Daniel de Nicolo, who does a pretty like a very good job, but it's uh, slightly different and not not what got me in love with this comic when it first came out, which was a little disappointing. But it's cool. I'm I am really excited to see all the different rangers show up because I I grew up with a a few generations of yeah. Power Rangers, but I know there have been like a million since. And I like it's showing. I keep seeing images, and I'm like, oh right, I forgot about that. Or I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Like that weird cop robot yeah, this, thing like, in the back. Yeah, this like police car traffic light I ranger. Toy, like, yeah. I love that guy. I can't remember him really. No, but I can't remember who's a guy or a <laughs> robot or what. Just the whole aesthetic of like the the Sentai soldier like mm-hmm. colorful warriors. It's I love it, and I I'm down to read it or watch it in any capacity. What, um, what does Sentai soldier mean? Sentai is just like the, I believe that what was like the, the original like yeah. Power Rangers show was called, and it's yeah. kind of become its own like genre. Okay. Yes, yeah, it was like Super Sentai Soldiers or something yeah. was what Power Rangers was, but then America acquired portions of the show or Saban did, I guess. Yeah, yeah. and so every time you're there in robots or in suits, that's the Japanese show, yeah. and then what Power Rangers was was basically filming American people and making stories around the little clips that they had acquired to then, so you're saying American people and then Japanese stuff and then mm-hmm. American, uh, which is pretty amazing in its own right. Uh, I would also give this like a seven. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. I think the art has taken an overall dip. Um, I was a little bit disappointed in how this issue was represented for the month and a half before it came out and then what actually happened in it. Um, but still a good book, still a book I like seeing. Yeah, it's, um, it's still, it's Scratching that nostalgia like just yeah. fine. Twenty five issues in. So Braden, what I want to know is what did it for you this week? What was the book that got you this week? Uh probably Saga. Okay. Which isn't really a surprise, but also this was issue fifty, which was like in a world where we're getting a lot of big anniversary issues, I loved that Saga fifty wasn't any wasn't really any bigger. The it wasn't extra priced or anything. We've got all these hundred issues coming out and like acting almost one thousand, but this was just kind of it felt what I want out of like a big anniversary issue because it uh it talked a lot about like kind of anniversariness and like they talk about Marco and on his first date and just kind of that richness of history that's happened and can we there's a very Saga lish Saganus open it's opening of, page. Where there are there are like five scenes in Saga that like and I'm like a volume behind, volume and a half maybe. Um there are like five scenes that stand out in Saga to me as like amazingly heartwarming and also very sexy. And this mm-hmm. is like one of the sexiest ones we've seen. Oh yeah. Not safe for work rating. We get a like a three page cunnilingus scene in the beginning of this issue, uh, followed by what'd you call it? Uh, a nice a nice uh, splash page. Yeah, a squirting splash page, uh, whole page, and that's the kind of stuff that I love about Saga. Is like you it, as soon as you get comfortable with what Saga is, then you get a page where you're like, whoa, I have to put this <laughs> on the top shelf. And if I don't, I'm going to actually get in trouble. <laughs> oh, it was wonderful. And 
there's like there's a number like it it, it starts off with like the whole like pregnancy scene where she's like feels like I'm shitting. Yeah, it was very mirrored that. There's that like even that high as fuck scene. Yeah. And it's just it's so great and in your face and like this the scene where she's like trying to give Marco a blowjob while they're arguing yeah. cuz she clearly only can deal with arguments by uh sexual sexual stuff. I love the balance of Marco and Alana. Yeah, and this piano staples has been killing it for 50 goddamn issues and that's Yeah. That's a it's a it's a big feat, and this is uh, nothing too like major happened in the issue. They kind of uh, they're following some threads they started in the last issue, but nothing too major happened, which was fine. But we're getting some real progression with the with the kids characters, uh, I, Hazel and uh, Squire, which I like a lot. I had uh, intended to read these books uh, with Sam, which is why I felt behind on them. And then it just, like, we never created a way to be able to read the books. We fell behind. I just realized that they have a lion cat that's red in here. Yeah. We have a lion cat that's blue, like, cardboard thing we bought from Ikea in our store. And when we bought it, they also had a pink one just like that. Really? They had two. It was blue and pink. And This is... This cat has only shown up recently, I think. It's just all. Like, crazy that IKEA is in in it. IKEA is just—they know what's up. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Um, Brayden, what's the significance of this last page? Actually, don't tell me. Well, I want to read it. Do you get it? Why is that? Is that the will? Is that Marco? It's it's the will. Um, it's one of the only problems I had with this issue was that the splash, the final uh, page, splash page, the final splash page was. Not super significant. Cause yeah, I I flipped through and I was like, this doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah, because he's been in this situation like for the past entire arc almost. Like he's just a little more broken down. It's like, and usually almost every issue of Saga, like that last page is something big and it leaves you really wanting more. Like the last one had a big emotional hit that I loved, and this one was just kind of there, which is uh, the only reason that I would give this issue a 9 instead of a 10. Um, yeah, I would say that about two-thirds of the way through the series where we are now, um, the plot got bigger. We started doing time jumps, and we started spending time with more characters, and that unfortunately caused me to lose a little bit of interest in it. Are you, so uh, I need to power through about 10 issues and get caught up. Um, but I don't care about a lot of the side characters that are in it right now. I don't mm-hmm. really care about those reporters. I don't care about, um, I didn't care about like the school stuff and the teachers there. Oh, I love the school stuff. Though. Yeah. And yeah. I really like the brand. It was my favorite. I liked the brand a lot. Yeah. But yeah, that's Saga. And that's it, saga. It, always, it always comes back to like Hazel and her parents, which is good, but it, it takes some pretty big departures every now and yeah, then. Yeah. After, after volume four with like, the drug addiction stuff, and then her having that falling out with Marco. It's just like this isn't this isn't what I want. Hmm. Roman, what got it for you this week? Uh, what got it for me this week? Oh, geez. Um. Because we're, we're short-staffed and short on time, and far away from the time that we read these, we're gonna do what got it for you this week instead of buckshots. I didn't actually bring it up here with me, but uh, highest house number two mm. was awesome. Uh, just more world building there, more fleshing out what it, the the social structure of being a slave in in this 
castle realm and the different kind of almost tribalism happening between like the kitchen and say the the roofer and their slaves and trying to steal from each other um and i forget the main character's name but just more development of his character growing up now as a slave remind me of the premise of this book um this kid is sold off by his parents into slavery and the guy who represents the castle and the 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 ruling class, I guess, of this town, of this region, is also some kind of magician magic user that has taken a liking to the kid, though it's not he doesn't really let the kid know that straight up, but you can tell he respects the kid. This kid maybe has some kind of potential abilities. So the guy's kind of taking the kid underneath his wing as much as he can without crossing the boundary of this is a slave. They're less than human. Blah blah blah. Hmm. And now he's been assigned by to work the roofing crew, repairing roofs. And the main roofer is a good person. Is Would you say all sorts of good stuff? He's very high up on a house. Yeah, he is. Ivory Tower high house. <laughs> the high house, just the high house. <laughs> Works. I would give that a. Nine point five. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of expected uh, Terrifics to be the thing that really did it for you this week. I kind of expected it to be too, and this was a fun issue, but I didn't like as much as the first issue. Yeah, I thought it was kind of a step down. I yeah. actually feel the opposite. I oh, liked yeah? this a good amount more than the first issue. Oh, well, well why is that? Um, I felt like the first issue suffered from needing to establish a lot of what was going on, yeah. mm-hmm. and I think that that was partly due to the fact that Metal had not been done yet, and as I was reading Metal, I was thinking, wow, like, Terrifics number one would have gone better mm. if this had actually finished first, which yeah. was the intention beforehand. Yeah. So then this one just sort of got to tell a story. Like, I, I really don't love exposition. Like, I, I like being given pieces and forming a puzzle myself. And uh, so this one sort of dropped you into the cliffhanger of the first issue, and they get out of it, and it was a quicker issue, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, and the art told a lot of the story, which I really appreciate, because that's why I love comics. Um, yeah, I thought it was fun. Metamorpho had some good stuff. Plastic Man had good stuff. This huge body carcass they were in last issue had good stuff also. Yeah, I liked, uh, liked when it got its uh, fingers cut off. That was yeah, well drawn and was scary and cool and weirdly gory, but it's like, oh, thinking about a, like a fingernail that big is just... <laughs> so I was not over the moon about the first issue, so I started this one being like, okay, like... I love Roman. I want to check this out. <laughs> I want to be able to talk about it with him. And I was prepared to skim pages, and I finished the issue, and I was like, all right, I finished that. That wasn't so bad. What What did I skim? What did I miss? And I was like, oh, I, I didn't skim or miss anything. <laughs> um, I appreciated it for that. Uh, I, we're not doing credits super well, but this is uh, Ivan Reese on art and Jeff Lemire on story and some other people. I guess maybe that's why I, I – and looking back now, I, I should reconsider possibly because – because, yeah, I finished it so quickly, and I was like, well, wait, shouldn't there be more? Because I did feel like I skimmed it, but no, I read, I like you, I read the whole thing. Um, my favorite part, actually, was the, who's the guest artist here on the flashback to this Phantom Girl's, mm. kind of her origin? And what's the story with Phantom Girl, if you don't mind? She's, uh, she's a member of the Legion of Superheroes. Okay. And this kind of, I'm not sure if this is the... Jose Lewis was the guest artist. Oh, okay. Um, I'm not sure. This Phantom Girl is a different Phantom Girl. She Her her real name is different because the original was like Tinya Wazu or something like that. 
And I wonder if this flashback, if the original Phantom Girl is the mother of this Phantom Girl. I mean, but they have the same haircut, the same, like, stylings, the same clothes, so you can't really tell. But um, I am curious now if this is the daughter of the original. Although those original pages with her are actually Ivan Reese, and the guest artist did 15 through 20. Oh, really? Which is bizarre. Oh. And what's also weird is that Silencer no longer has Ramita on art. What? Really? Yeah. Who's, didn't he create? Like with issue four, like that I was just working I on mean, the see. I he's he would have he was doing two books at once right now, and they both seem to be suffering quality. So maybe. What's his other book? He's doing Kickass right now. Kickass two. Isn't oh he? right. Yeah. yeah, you're right. He is. Um, and I think the big conceit of these ones is that the artists are actually co-plotting and co-writing it, and that's yeah. sort of the big thing. Is So Ramita yeah. is still doing the writing on it. but okay. uh, Yeah, isn't he the co-creator? Yeah, but he's not doing the art, which just seems... I don't have, unfortunately, a ton of faith in these New Age of Heroes books. Um, I really like Plastic Man. I love Jeff Lemire. I love Ivan Reese's art. But if they're like a couple issues in already having art switches and stuff, I, yeah, it doesn't this, give me a ton this of This was the series I was most hopeful for, and yeah. it's been fine but i was hoping for more yeah. i guess um i was i'll still stick along with it i mean I like the idea oh, yeah. that they're all they find out at the end of this one that they're all kind of locked together and i love plastic man and metamorpho and who else shows up in this one but if you're getting oh, Tom your strong gail simone plastic man series that is exciting i mean i guess you're you're a guy who probably will read as much plastic oh, yeah. man as he can get but like yeah you're probably a little bit like well this one is fine, but I'll actually have my own. Oh yeah, definitely the Gail Simone one. I mean, she's such an amazing writer. I mean, I I would subscribe to her laundry list. I mean, <laughs> she's amazing, and this will be a nice adjunct to that, I suppose. Um, I'm gonna give it a seven point five. I think that the art was pretty good, and I actually thought there was a fill-in artist in a different spot. So uh, much like you, I thought yeah. the flashback was so. Um, kudos to a fill-in artist being able to make it that seamless. Uh, yeah. And I am curious how we're seeing some of the things from metal, like I'm assuming this carcass they're in that wakes up is one of these celestial-looking gods oh. that's hinted at the end of metal. Yeah, maybe it woke up while... Maybe this was that was happening during metal? And no, they went into the dark multiverse of this first issue, in yeah. the first issue. Mm, yeah. um, those celestial-type things are apparently a big part of the no-justice uh, oh, Scott Snyder right. thing that's coming out. All right, Scott. All right. Yeah, Scott, I love you, man. I like it when your work is a little less serious like Metal was. I feel yeah. like your last year and a half of output has been a little bit too serious. Yeah, I like that writer, but I'm a little like, he's going to be like helming the DC Universe for a little bit, which is... Yeah. At least, at least from the Justice League <laughs> point of view. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I would yeah prefer Jeff um, Johns for sure. I'll give this a s- seven rubber bouncy plastic bands. Hmm. Why you gave it less than I did? Did I? What'd you give it? I gave it seven point five. I just um, that that interests me. But oh. I, you liked the first issue more than I did. So. Yeah, I can give it a seven point five. I'm not trying to change scores. <laughs> I was here for Roman, and if I liked it more than Roman, I don't even know why I'm at the party anymore. Yeah, I, I give it a six. I just kind of skimmed through. I uh, I think the weird like attraction that's making them all stick together seems like a weird comic booky nonsense way to have a team stick together and if it i was trevor or ty pointed out last time when the first issue came out that like it's basically a dc fantastic four and mm-hmm. it really is yeah like that's they're kind of leaning gross. into it yeah and it's a little 
just give me my Fantastic Four book. And they are, but Dan Slott is writing it. You heard it here first. Ew. <laughs> I like Dan Slott just fine, but I don't want him anywhere near my Fantastic Four. It's not why I like Fantastic Four. I do not need jokes and whatever. Who was writing uh, that FF book? Hickman. Uh, no. The after Hickman. Oh, Matt Fraction. Uh, oh, was Matt, Matt Fraction, Fraction doing both of them? was writing both, but then he fell apart halfway through it and, and then, all read who was doing the art in the FF book. Yeah. I believe that the brother started writing that, and then Fantastic Four, Fraction maybe did finish writing. Wasn't it James Robinson finished before it got canceled or yeah, finished its run? That was after the Fraction run. Okay. That was the, like, during Secret Wars, mm. like, when they had the red costumes and yeah. stuff. <laughs> I did like yeah. I did like a lot of the FF stuff because I love the All Reds. But... Yeah. Have you read Hickman's run? Not all of it, not yet. It's. I think the FF portion with all of the kids and like the floating moloid heads and like oh, dragon, yeah. like all of that yeah, is super good and very Bradeny. I. Yeah. It's so hard to get it. It's and, literally and know how to read it. Impossible to get at this point, but mm-hmm. I do think that with them announcing that there's a series coming out that they'll actually start reprinting all that Hickman stuff. Hopefully. And he apparently re-signed a contract to write for Marvel. So. Oh. Oh really? Gums. Wow. Yeah. Unfortunately. No, that meant Wait. that sounded way different than I meant. I love his Marvel stuff. Um, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately for his image books, I guess. No, like. not even that. No, uh, what he what meant was he had been in the queue and was signed on to write Legion of Superheroes, but because Doomsday oh, Clock oh. slowed down, those characters are related to the Doomsday Clock plot. So him writing that was pushed back pretty far. So he was like, okay, well, I'm going to go write some other stuff at Marvel for the next year or whatever and then come back and write the book that I've wanted to write huh. forever. God, Hickman Legion of Superheroes would be amazing. It's like the, his dream job he's been saying. Wow. So my book that really got me uh, excited this week was Old Man Hawkeye number three by this guy who has just shown up, Sax, something Sax, and Marco Cicchetto, uh Ethan Sax. Uh, we've talked about the first two issues on here. Um, How's that old man doing? I love it. I love this book. I like it way more than any of the Old Man Logan stuff that's come out. Um, I really like the art. It scratches me just the same way that Old Man Logan did originally. The art is beautiful. It is a well-conceptualized world. There's, you know, like, I feel like somebody said who that bullseye eye is from, but I forget who it was. Um, But we got bullseye with some cybernetic eye talking to the Red Skull, Hitler, future person and venom symbiotes have taken over multiple man and old man hawkeye is just trying to do right and his daughter doesn't like him and he's being hunted and uh it's just well told and it aches it's like an achy heart story um yeah you read it roman oh yeah yeah this page where like atlas guy dies and then the next image is just the exact same panel but like a day later mm-hmm. and people are trying to clean him up and it's just different people are around and the whole circumstances change and yeah, Marco Chiquetta was a very good artist. Yeah, it's beautifully done and I love the fact that in the midst of all this this crazy dystopian world, I mean, we get this storyline that draws on draws on plot lines from years before when Hawkeye was the leader of the Thunderbolts and Atlas was one of the members and their prior relationship and where they are now, what this world has done to them. I mean, you really feel for Atlas and, well, you feel for all the characters, how they've been driven to 
these points in this hopeless world. And that's what I loved about Old Man Logan was it's just sort of, here's this Marvel candy world that you know and love, and here's what the implications of the way that we run it could be. Yeah. And this follows that thread in a really, really intelligent and heartfelt way to me. Like, if you liked Old Man Logan, the original one, I would really, really recommend anybody to check yeah. this out because it, it is tonally the closest to that of anything I've read. Certainly more yeah. than any of the like Old Man Logan stuff that's come out, which some of it's been very good, but... Yeah, it doesn't have that same tone of just yeah. sort of following a world that is really the in the wake of the sort of party that we all ride, you know, mm -hmm. this sort of like, I love the Marvel Universe. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, well, what if we stop for a second and let that shit play out? Yeah, yeah, I agree. This is, this does remind me of that first storyline. Cause yeah, and I like it better than any of the old man Logan stuff. Oh, this beautiful panel when this character blows on their hot coffee and the, the steam from it forms the images of these, these people. Oh, so good. Hmm. Yeah, I give that one a, a nine also. There were some real good books this week. Yeah. And it Yeah, I mean I liked it as much as Metal or Doomsday Clock. It was it was right up there, uh, but it was a little bit more rooted in uh Marvel comic book for me, which I really like Doomsday Clock because I think it's some of the finest instance of what a comic book is doing right now. And then Metal was very DC party and this was very just sort of achy, melancholy Marvel, and I, I really like the Marvel Universe from that regard. But the tier is Hawkeye has to kill Atlas, and mm. yeah, just really well done. I, I love Hawkeye as a character to be put into this environment, because he's such a cool curmudgeon in current continuity, and then to put him as just sort of the sad guy who's still trying to just do right and make up for the wrongs that he's done is pretty impressive. Yeah, cool. yeah, very human story, and yeah, I love the fact that right between those when he draws the bow, when he lets it releases the releases the string, there's that one brief that, memory of the two of them as thunderbolts standing, it, talking, and it was so good. <laughs> like it's so well done. The 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 way hearts work. Like this understands the way hearts work. So I don't know, um, and like the way that I think about things when I'm doing things, and what images come to mind when. Uh, yeah, I think this writer has a, a pretty bright future. If I could just. Yeah. Uh, Destroy all the emotional weight you've had <laughs> yeah. with this. Uh, oh, please. It looks kind of like a fart. Oh, I didn't realize Django was here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a nice old thum green gas fart coming right out of that butt. Yeah, those are the whatever Hawkman took a shot and caused those gases to go out. Oh, it's fart arrow. Yeah, he's got that. He's got a whoopee cushion in there. Oh, fuck you. Man, it must be like an <laughs> ultimate fartifier device. <laughs> Ugh. Gosh, old man Hawkeye. <laughs> gross. Um, I'll give old man Hawkeye. Uh, I will also, yeah, yeah, I'll also give it nine, nine noxious fart, fart clouds. Fart <laughs> That's like uh, that's like three nine so far, at least. Wow, is it? No, well, like you said, there's a lot of good books this yeah. week. There was there was a there were several that I was very into, and, yeah. and there was others that you know I liked. A lot, but this one, there were three that I liked a lot, and those were them. What's next? Well, wait, you need to give it a score. Oh, I didn't read it, so I gave it a oh. big old zero. <laughs> one <laughs> zero. Hawkeye <laughs> likes zeros because they're easy to shoot through. What does he like? Zeros because they're easy to shoot oh. through because they're a big old hole. I mean, I guess we're, <laughs> we're kind of... 
I mean, we're nearing the end here. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, we're a couple of guys. It's been a while since we read a comic book. I guess we should wrap up with something. Well, no. Braden, you want to you add one more quick thing before we give our, our strong this week recommendation book? Uh, sure. I, uh, <laughs> a couple couple other books I really liked this week were just uh, Abbott and Lockjaw. If I was, would just buckshot those real quick. Abbott is progressing the storyline really well. Uh, just like the plot thickens each time and we're getting a little more and more each issue and I like the pace it's got. It's, it's freaking good and weird and scary and Lockjaw was just just incredible like super fun super weird and super cute and Kazar has some great dialogue in this book that's just very funny uh, he uh, asks uh, D-Man if like he's from New York or something and I think and D-Man says like oh yeah how did you know and he says Seven billion people, and everyone I meet is from New York. Just like, I thought that was funny because Marvel is all in New York. Yeah, it's all yeah. that's all he ever sees. It's just funny, but yeah, I don't know. It was uh, it was good and funny, and I wish it was longer than however many issues it's going to be. But yeah. thank God we got a Lockjaw miniseries. Thank God for that. Yeah, I wish um, it was an ongoing. Yeah, I would love just Lockjaw with some D-list hero checking in with a bunch of other corners of the Marvel universe. Oh, it doesn't get any more D-list than D-man. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, yeah. What's that? A Lockjaw team up? I wish the thing in Lockjaw used to hang out for a while. I want that back. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll also mention Invincible Iron Man 598. We're just cruising towards the end of Bendis' run here. Um, I really like the Alex Maleev Doctor Doom stuff. I'm still waiting for the end of that story. I skimmed through all the Riri stuff. I think it's fine. Um, but I, I really do like the Doctor Doom stuff. Although Bendis is so good at making nothing happen in an issue. <laughs> and you still enjoy the whole thing, but you're just like, I don't, nothing really. We didn't. Yeah, you're like, you're never bored. Like, the dialogue's all engaging, right. but it's But, like, like this, these last five issues could have been one or two. Like, he was ready to end this series early, but it's like, oh, I gotta get to 600, I guess. Yeah, so, yeah. here we go. Um, all right, well, so Braden and I are, like, super, super psyched mm-hmm. about a book this week that neither of us have read. It's a it's a franchise <laughs> near and dear to our hearts, so uh, we've known it. It's the first thing I've ever remember, like, interacting with, ever. It's really? almost the first. It's, yeah, it's, like, the primordial, it is what comic books are in our hearts. And it's, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's spawned so many, uh, like, characters and ideas from it. Like, I, I believe the Shadow is inspired from it. Uh, and like, and Batman, the Shadow was. Like, Power um, Rangers. Bat- like, more Spider-Man. importantly, Batman was inspired by it, and then the Shadow. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man clearly comes from this. I think Power Rangers came from this. This is sort of, like, the cornerstone of fiction, and this is a really <laughs> big deal. And I think that maybe I was just sort of waiting for this week, which has just been a huge week for me, I've sort of been just waiting for it to end so I can just cherry on top of the the whipped creamless milkshake. Um, mm. I this week, uh, Mad Game Studios uh, by Mark Landon and Andy King, number one, Battle Cats, and number two, and number two in the same week. Wow! Like what a gift from heaven to get two issues on the same week. That usually means that the book. Is really good, Jeff. What if it actually is really good? We're we're uh, we're talking it up a lot, and it's uh it's all very funny, and uh it's a good. I mean, I'm having a, good, a bit, good time. But what if it's like not bad? Well, the argument <laughs> is not bad. Like a, a studio of this I mean, size, there's some, there's some pretty sexy muscular cats in there. Holy shit, there's some sexy cats in here, and they all have like glowing 
you know, like when you look at pictures of Tokyo at yeah. night and all the cars have these cool, like, the taillights, trails, mm-hmm. uh, all of their glowing eyes do that. It's like a bunch of, like, super sexy muscle cats yeah. with glowing Listen, eyes. Listen, this ain't, this ain't no hero cats. No. This is battle cats. <laughs> hero cats is for kids. <laughs> battle cats is for erotically charged adolescents and, and, and 20-somethings. This is, oh, my God. Let me read you a page. <laughs> Uh, from the behind of five ferociously sexual and powerful cats towards an infinite army of other uh, warriors in the front of a king, uh, a king's castle tower. Uh, push forward, battle cats, for the king. That's the kind of splosh page, page that you're getting in battle cats. Um, our, our very good friend, my best friend of uh, the, you know, his name is tattooed on my ankle. Danny Winterode read this for us in the room in NorwestCon, and he was into it. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I'd brought number two for him. We should have. I, I, I didn't read it. You haven't read it. No, and like, no, we don't know anything I about. I want to read, it, read and it. Maybe we should. Maybe we should read the two issues for the next podcast. Probably. Even and even if we don't, I'm I'm just super happy that a comic called Battle Cats exists. Yeah. And is about muscular humanoid cats that do battle. I wish they'd sent us a poster because. Yeah, you're right. I, I want to be able to like look across the room and see battle cats. Yeah. Who doesn't? Yeah. It's so much. Uh, it's levels and levels above, more uh, more superior than the wild cat. Mm. You know, yeah. this is the battle cat. It yes. is the uh, the you know the progenitor. Of course, is the hero cat, mm-hmm. and then they grew to adulthood in the form of the battle cat, and uh, the battle cat is clearly something not to be taken lightly. I wouldn't say so. No, I wouldn't say so at all. Have either of you seen uh, Thundercats? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Thundercats. Have you Thundercats. seen Warriors of Virtue? <laughs> yes, we, we watched that uh, that intro. Uh, the the Pritchster showed it to us, right? No, no, no. No, what was, that? what was that one he showed us? That was the Kirby creation, Hanna-Barbera-looking cartoon show of On the Moon. It looks like Thundercats. The year 1994. A, world. It's like straight-up Kirby... Hanna-Barbera cartoon show of the same era as, like, He-Man and the Moloids and stuff. I'm going to have to look up our history Is it like a Texas computer? Ranger no. outer space? It's, it's not better. Okay. okay. It's it's like, not, oh, that, that was Dexter. It's like Commandy, so sci-fi Commandy. Yeah. Um, Fuck, what a world. No, Wars of Virtue was a live-action movie that would have come out when we were, like, seven or eight. Oh. And was it, was it like cat kangaroo-looking things. And oh. they had, like, went through this water tunnel to, like, another dimension. You would have loved it. It's, like, was right it, up uh, there with Starkid. Yeah, I was going to say, was it better than Starkid? Yeah, it was right there. That's perfect. That's all I want. That's my that's my bar. So I really want to read Battle Cats, but I also kind of just want to leave it as a perfect ten in my head. <laughs> yeah, I'm worried if I read it, it's going to let me down or something. I don't know. It's... I want to stress that the art is way better than I thought it was going to be for a book of... <laughs> Yeah. This preconceived caliber. Look at that cat on a pile of skulls oh. with a glowing sun behind him throwing his cape. Yeah. His calves are bigger than all of I am. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I'm just I'm just happy to be here. I'm just happy to be here. Um, listen, everybody. My name's Jeff. I'm really uh, grateful that everyone has been so chill about us uh, being late for this last month, month and a half. It's been not my favorite thing, but we're going to get this thing edited, and it should hopefully be up on Tuesday, Wednesday at the latest. We've managed to keep it to not more than one day late, generally. Yeah. But in a perfect world, these would be up on Saturday or Sunday, and they get up on Monday. So Thanks uh, for hanging in there. Everybody, yeah. Thanks yeah, for hanging thank in there. Thank you. <laughs> Have they said you're welcome yet? And you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Braden, what's your sign-off?
my song. I need something very clever. If you want to think about it, Roman, you can go. Brayden, you just sit there and come up with gold. You mine that Bitcoin currency, crypto gold. My my name is Brayden, and Sonic the Hedgehog is coming back tomorrow, and that's all I can think about. Because tomorrow is Tuesday, so when you listen to this, it'll be out. Oh, that's the first. Okay, cool. Um, my name is Roman, and Gail Simone's Plastiman is coming up. I don't. I'm, I forget when. Three months. Sure. Yeah. yeah okay. I bet it's like two months yeah, actually. It's gonna be paradise in two months. Um, but yeah, I, I am really, I fully, everyone should be around on all the subsequent Wednesdays for the next chunk of time. So we're back to a normal schedule now, and I appreciate everyone's uh, patience with these being late and for still listening to us. And we really, really love all you guys coming and say hi to us. I hope that some of you guys got to see Justin. God, I love Justin. Really good boy. He's maybe the best. Really, really good boy. Oh, yeah. All right. This one's over and out. <laughs>